Welcome to BS Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. And on this show, I talk with people who are pursuing their creative and intellectual passions and living outside the box. And in this episode, I'm going to play a conversation I had with Desiree Justin. Desiree is a professional dancer, actress, and stylist. She previously danced with Boston Ballet and has performed as an actress in many stage productions in NYC and nationally. In addition to her performance career, She's also a successful coach and professional stylist working with actors, photographers, and other artists on image consulting and editorial photography. Follow her on Instagram on MamaDes1, that's M-A-M-A-D-E-S-1, D-E-S dot styles, D-E-S dot styles, wait, D-E-S underscore dot styles, period styles. And uh, she's also an improviser, and she does a lot of improvisation, and she does some sketch comedy shows as well. And I met her doing the jams, the improv jams at the Pit, the People's Improv Theater. We also talk about the entertainment industry and a lot of other interesting topics. Anyway, here's the conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. How have you been? You you just did a show in uh, Texas, and you you did (gasps) a lot. Yeah, I've been crazy busy. Yeah, I flew down to Texas to open the comedy club out there. That was great. Uh, It was amazing. I had imposter syndrome the whole time. I was like, this is not my life, but how cool. Um, Yeah, and then I have a play that I'm uh, part of that has its first reading uh, tomorrow night. So I've been busy doing that and, you know. (laughs) Nice, nice. But but like imposter syndrome, like you you didn't, you didn't, that wasn't something you usually do or like being in Texas, like. No, well, I guess it was just, um, so a little backstory. So, you know, Kim, do you know Kim Alou? So she's, she was a teacher at the pit and, um, I had, uh, taken from her over quarantine. Um, I had not taken from her at the pit in person, but I had taken from her over quarantine, um, online. And we were both part of a improv team that, joined online um and one of the girls from our improv team her and her husband live in dallas and they just bought dallas comedy club and so for opening weekend they wanted to fly our team out to do workshops and to perform there but it was just kind of surreal because i was there with like chris griggs and like a lot of veterans from the pit and people were like oh my god you're from new york like we bought tickets to your show and it was like really weird like being like catered to like we ate and drank for free all weekend and like i didn't have my makeup and they were like no we'll send somebody to the house to go get it for you it just felt like (laughs) yeah but i I imagine it's a bit different it's a bit different in uh texas than like uh, New York, right? With uh, comedy. And well, things are less uh, closed up there too. That's, that's, that's Yeah, yeah. Well, I was surprised because I thought that I was going to have to, um, I thought everybody was going to kind of just not have masks or whatever, but they had just put out a mandate in Dallas about wearing masks. So we didn't for the show because um, we were all tested before we went on. Um, but some of the businesses in the area, you had to wear, still wear your mask. Um, but yeah, it was, it was exciting. It's definitely a smaller community um, out there in Dallas, but, and it was really cool to like, you know, anytime you come from New York, people are like, oh my goodness, you study in New York. And it's, it's always like an interesting thing, but it was fun. I mean, it was, everybody was super nice and the club is gorgeous. If you're ever in Dallas, you know, Dallas comedy club, check it out. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so New York, New York, I guess is the center for like comedy and improv and yeah. Yeah. So I mean, why I'm here and it's center for everything. I always said if the weather, I mean, if they had, if they could like transplant Broadway to like a place with nicer weather, I'd probably move, but <laughs> <laughs> I will uh yeah. deal well, it's kind of all here. over the place here. Like it's it's like one day it's like nice and then it's like too humid. And now it's like in the I don't mind the jacket weather, but when it was like humid or like super cold, that's when I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want extremes. We want perfection. I mean <laughs> Exactly. 
Yeah, but I, I guess, uh, so that's, uh, those are some of the famous uh, improvisers, I guess you mentioned. But I guess uh, the main one I know is like Robin Williams. I know he did improv, but like. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I am, I guess that that's the other thing, like as an imposter syndrome, I have been a performer for so long um, professionally, but I'm very new to the comedy and improv world, relatively speaking. Um, so I, uh, I mostly do a little backstory. I was a professional dancer for many years, taught dance, still teach dance, um, moved into musical theater, did that professionally for many, many years. And I was working on a play in 2019. I had been in progress for like five years. I had worked with the writers from the ground up. It was called The Floor Show. Um, and it had uh, its world premiere in New York in 2019. But it was the first time in a long time I had been in the writer's room with people where they were writing the show like during rehearsals. So depending on what we did in rehearsals, they would make updates to the script and the part was truly mine, which was interesting because then somebody's asking you like, what do you want to say as opposed to do it like the, the last three girls that were in it before you or, you know, we want your point of view, but only a small part of your point of view. And so I felt as much as it was such a great experience and I and I felt confident about the show and I got good reviews, I still felt like that muscle wasn't flexing enough of like, who am I as an artist? And so I wanted to shake things up. And somebody said, you should, you should try improv. And I said, no, I'm not funny at all. Like I am not funny, I would, but I'm obsessed with stand-up comedy, like obsessed with watching it, not doing it. I think it's like the hardest thing you could possibly do. So they're like, you're obsessed with stand-up comedy, do some comedy, like, like just try improv. It's like close to acting. And I went, of course, 2019, I went to my first class and I was hooked, just absolutely hooked. Um, and just went to every jam, every class, every, and then pandemic hit, but then I was doing online improv literally every day for multiple hours a day and it was the greatest thing because it just frees up your brain for other art forms like what are yeah. the possibilities you know you know you're an actor as well yeah yeah and it's a way to always perform and like play a kid like be in a scene and like work on characters even when you're not in something or you're not yeah yeah and it helps with the you know doing the podcast or doing like voice acting as well but, oh I can't imagine and you have a yeah. great voice for that so it's right. um yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, you know, and that's uh, to your viewers. That's how we met was through the people's improv theater doing jams and stuff, um, which is another really cool thing that I picked up, you know, through improv was I think I had this idea when I moved to New York that the artistic community was a true community. And when I first got here being like a, at all these cattle calls, which are these giant open auditions, basically, we call them cattle calls. Um, you would just go and there'd just be like hundreds and like 600 girls going in for, you know, Legally Blonde on Broadway. And it was very like competitive and no, everybody was like too afraid to just like really truly connect on a human level. Cause I think it just felt so competitive all the time. And when I went to the pit, I don't know if it was cause I didn't have skin in the game. Cause I'm like, I'm not funny. I don't care. This is just where I'm going to throw paint up against the wall and try something new and suck at it. And nobody's going to judge me. Um, but I found that the community is so open to different people from different art forms and we can talk about art and we can try things on stage that you wouldn't try at an audition or in a room where you have six weeks to do a show. You just don't have time. But the pit, you can really just try something and everybody will clap for you and be like, you know what, maybe it didn't work, but like, yes, like you're in the right direction. Like you tried something, like how cool, like it made me think of something else and we're all just like playing together, which is super it's super rare and i found a community there that i'm super happy with so yeah and people come from and you meet people from like all different like fields too that you wouldn't otherwise like yeah people doing improv because like they're engineers or things like mm -hmm. that too yeah yeah so how it's just a way to be more improv? loose how did you get into uh, improv uh, well there was uh I, I think well actually one of the first ideas was a few years ago like uh I, I did a podcast and then someone said like um they thought it was, I, I don't know, the, the guy, the guy who was on my podcast at that point was kind of a dick. And then I was on another person's podcast and they were kind of a dick. And then they were, they were like, oh, why, why, why are you? Cause I, cause before it was like, oh, I had to have one topic and I talk about it and they're like, well, we should be more spontaneous with the conversation. Like you should try improv. Um, and even mm -hmm. though they, they, those were both kind of dicks that told me to do that, like it was still good advice that got me 
into that. And I, it was something I wanted to try because I, I was interested in uh, acting and I was doing like some short films and stuff. And I thought it would help with that. And also just being more spontaneous in general. So I did that at uh, Improv Now, this uh, the meetup uh, group I, I joined. Uh -huh. And I went to some of their events and I, and, uh, I did the drop-ins and then I started doing like the show where the jam after that. And then I did a team on Sunday nights for a year called folks about the town in 2019. So it was like 2017 till like now. And then I got into the pit cause like uh, after the pandemic, I, I was looking like someone mentioned, Oh, there's in-person jam, like in-person classes at the pit. And I'm like, Oh, that's back. And then I looked at the jam. So then I started like, Oh, finally it's back in person. So, uh. Yeah, it was, it was kind of surreal coming back in person. Um, for you, I know quarantine, I, well, I don't know, I'll ask. It probably was um, easier for you to function because you do uh, use your voice and use your computer a lot doing these kind of things. But for me, I'm a wild horse. I have, I'm a dancer. So the fact that I couldn't use my body was hard for me for years because I had to stay in this little box on zoom oh, yeah. and I just wanted to like throw myself across the room I'm like well no one's gonna see that so when we came back in person I went to this kind of underground party in Brooklyn with a bunch of people from uh UCB um who were doing it was just a get together but it was like the first one in person that I had physically been to and we just did a bunch of improv like in their backyard and I remember the first three scenes I didn't know what to do with my body I felt like it felt like an out-of-body experience, literally. I did not know. I felt so weird. And then the third time I went up for a scene, it was like everything melted away. That moment where like everything kind of just melts away and you just know what to do. And I was like, oh, it's back. The magic's back. So then I got really excited to be in person. But it was nerve-wracking yeah. at first. Yeah. Like it said, so you haven't done it. But then it's kind of like it's naturally there because like you've done it so many times. It's like riding a bike or like doing the podcast, like. Mm -hmm. I come back no matter a while sometimes. And then it's like, oh yeah, this is just the natural BSing. So it's natural BSing. I mean, isn't yeah. it all BSing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just BSing for a living. Yeah. That's that's my thing I say all the time. I'm like, I just I'm an actor because I used to like to play dress up as a little girl and I just didn't want to stop playing pretend and playing dress up. And here I am making money off of it. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of <laughs> exercising that uh it's like uh, I guess like actors and artists never lose sight of that kind of that that um that inner child, the creative part, right. like more in touch with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's it's super important, though, just as humans. I mean, I don't want to get like all philosophical about it because. Um, I don't know. I don't want to sound like one of these assholes that's too pretentious, but I do find that it's my way to connect with other humans and to truly work on being an empath because the more we play with other people uh, you know with improv saying yes and to the other person really listening um even with scripted stuff someone else wrote something from their point of view or how they see the world or how they see someone else and really sitting there and taking the time to dissect that I think makes us better humans all around because when you interact with somebody you're just thinking on many levels instead of just like face value um, so I think it's what we do as artists is really important. It's sad that our, you know, the, a lot of school systems or whatnot, don't put that as really important, but I, I find it yeah. so helpful. You mean improv for kids, like what teaching kids? In the, yeah. yeah. Oh, just, just art in general, performance, music, dance, yeah. um, theater. You know, it's interesting. I, 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 um, I took the art classes as a kid, but I remember they were more regimented. Like you had the fall the rules exactly and you had to make the santa claus exactly like everybody else and then i did like a rock and roll santa claus and i remember they got so mad about that they're like he didn't follow the instructions and we're like telling my parents like they were so angry that i did the santa claus different so what yeah. oh see well they obviously didn't live in new york no i'm kidding okay. <laughs> maybe they did but um yeah they, they weren't artists from new york no uh that's so interesting that's funny because i used to have anxiety in art class too about doing things right Oh yeah, like I used just to have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> Why it was just like confusing directions, or what was it? The... Just this thought of not doing things right, yeah. like you you have to do it right, and and 
maybe somewhere deep down in my mind, I knew that that was kind of a juxtaposition. Like we're creating art, like be creative kids, but also cut this exactly how we tell you where you're getting yeah. a fee on your art project. I was like, yeah. well, this it's kind of like the it. Pink Floyd. It's kind of like the Pink Floyd video, you know, like the um, where, where they're all like coming out as machines of the school. That's kind yes. of the way they want they want kids to be. In a way. Well, yeah. I think that the, the reason why it's such a juxtaposition is, I, and this is my own personal opinion, I believe that school teaches us how to follow rules. That's kind of like the main purpose. I mean, even with college and stuff, I went to a conservatory that was very specific of what I was learning, but most, you know, college programs or anything, you're just learning how to like meet a deadline, follow rules, like interact with other humans, uh, do projects together. So it's kind of teaching you more life skills than I think. I mean, yes, we learn like one plus one is two, but most of the stuff you learn, like when you're out in the world, like when you get a job, you learn all the ins and outs and tiny things. So I think in general, they kind of push that a little too far sometimes of, you know, you have to follow the rules and do things the right way, which is great, but it can be detrimental as an artist following the rules all the time. Doesn't open up your brain space to very interesting things. Yeah, well, I think I guess it depends what kind of artists there is. Like, there's there's the ones that are like the more like um, like I guess they follow everything just right, and then they get the masters of fine art, and they do the very like just commercial art. And then there's the ones who kind of just you know they're more intuitive and they kind of um, just follow what's in them. But then they don't make as much money always. Well, or sometimes they do, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe you know we 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 learn the rules to break them. I'm, I believe in technique. I believe in teaching and following the masters and listening and learning from other people. But at the end of the day, what do you want to say? You know? Yeah. And well, I think that's the main point of being an artist is to have something to say. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So I do know, I know from listening to some of your other podcasts that you also, uh, write and act. Um, do you have, do you find yourself, I, and this is my question. I love how I'm interviewing you now. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of split, but, but I like it when it said, so this isn't the first episode that happened. So it's, it's improv. <laughs> it's improv. improv. Um, do you find, because I'm going through this right now with a bunch of my friends, that you will like deep dive into one for a little bit and kind of put one on the back burner and then jump around? Or do you find that they're all kind of spinning plates at the same time all the time? I think it's all kind of, connected at the i mean it's it's the same time because um i mean i'm still like i write stuff like in my spare time and then i go out and i do the acting that's more like in the outside world the world (laughs) yeah yeah i guess that's why i have like i have kind of like an introverted side too so that's why i like like the writing but then i then i also like going out and like doing the act like being more social and stuff too so it's like a mix of the two sides of me i guess kind of yeah like the introspective and then just like the wanting to perform and yeah. I feel like it's two parts of myself I'm always kind of exercising so yep yeah okay good to know if that made sense huh? <laughs> oh it absolutely makes sense this is my yeah. favorite thing to just like shoot the shit about art with people um because we all just come from we all love it so much we all come from different experiences and different theories on life, life as an artist. Um, and like you said, at the pit, there's, it's so interesting because we'll just get people who are like, I'm a mathematician or I had one guy, he was a uh, trauma surgeon. He was taking classes at HB acting studio and was improvising life after. I'm like, when do you sleep? He's like, ah, I sleep like three hours a night. I was like, I bow down. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know like there's people who use art for that and then there's those of us who like try to make it our living um and it is it's not easy but it's very rewarding yeah and that that, and that's what i'm trying to do more with like the voice acting and voiceover like i want to make that my main job because that's like out of all the things i do that's the most lucrative and then i want this uh, to monetize this podcast and be it it, to be successful but like i'm not gonna put all my thing on that because like that mm-hmm. that would i think that would take a lot of that'd be over time and a lot of people get successful with the podcast because they're known through something else yeah they yes yeah. yes although i will tell you sean you are implementing the number one rule of success in the arts is to stop giving a shit about what you're doing 
No, I'm kidding. I kid, I kid. This is a joke. Let me explain. Okay. So they, we, when we go into auditions, I think that for a long time, I had a lot of teachers and I, other people I know who are really type A or really like, just love this more than life itself. Like I want to be an artist. This is all I care about. All of our teachers have told us like, you got to stop making everything so precious and caring so much. Like you just have to let it go. And the minute you're just like, eh, you know what? that, you know, that gig wasn't for me. That play wasn't for me. I don't even really want to go to this audition. That's always the one you book. The one that you rehearse and practice. And you're like, this is the perfect role for me. And my agent's sending me in and this is it, blah, blah, blah. And you go in, those are always the ones you tank. You never make it and you never know why, but it's always the, when you just kind of, and I don't think it's that you don't care. It's just that you kind of relax into it yeah because well because it's because then you become the character then it's not like 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 i am the actor be, being this <laughs> character and i'm reading it in a very proper way you know it's, it's more like oh i'm a person talking and saying the shit like just yeah mm-hmm. yeah so but i know in, the- in theater there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of overacting sometimes in theater i notice more but like there's a there's a there's a lot of good actors too but like and they're not that the overactors are, are bad actors. Right. Um, you yeah. said you do, did a lot of TV and film. It definitely is an adjustment. I've done uh, far less t- TV and film than I've done um, <clears throat> stage, excuse me, stage performance. And it definitely is an adjustment. Um, I find with everything I do, there's a calibration. Like I have like dials in me. And when you do things on stage, depending on how big the house is, you do have to quote unquote overact. On a large stage, it doesn't look like overacting. And at the end of the day, if you're being truthful and you're really, I think that that comes through whether you're gesticulating with your hands very largely or if you're being very quiet on screen, just using your eyes. I think that truth is truth and that's what we're all hunting for. But then once we have that, it's a calibration. So you do have like, as you become an artist, you learn how to calibrate for different settings or different, even with comedy. I mean, there's comedy that slapstick comedy. And then there's like black comedies like um, Fleabag that are a little quieter and just just as hilarious, but it's not the same as like an SNL sketch. They're just two yeah. separate things. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying like different acting for like different styles kind of like for different things yeah you kind of have to know what the tone of the project is uh that was the benefit of watching a lot of television during quarantine because I wasn't a big like let me just sit and watch tv all day long I was very active but during quarantine there wasn't much to do so I just went through all the shows that I had seen you know the office again and then you know cartoons and and for voiceover and then serious dramas and you know hbo dramas versus like daytime dramas i mean they're just different techniques um so you do have to adjust depending on the style of the yeah well certain certain styles are like more overacted like the epic thing i guess i was just thinking the star wars prequels with like all that yes yeah yeah kind of overacting like like he there is some kind of darkness inside huh. like talking like yeah and it's not like how people usually talk but it fits the tone of that mm. well do you yeah. ever notice shunt and tell me this because definitely through the star wars obviously the whole um canon of their movies it's definitely because the more modern ones are going to be acted in a more modern style it also depends what year they came out so acting in the 70s people's cadence of voices we're slightly different. And then you can go back even further. And in the 1950s, you know, movies, people spoke. Yeah, different. they like, use the transatlantic accent. Well, the, yeah. And then you go back, I was going to say in the 1940s and yeah. everything was, yes, darling. Oh, I'll be downstairs yeah. in a minute. Darling. It was this very, <laughs> um, which interestingly enough, so transatlantic at ladies and gentlemen um, is not technically a real accent from anywhere. Some people say, oh, I think it's from the Brit. People misconceive that it was the British that came over and it was British actors mixed with American. The transatlantic accent, as far as I've studied and known, was created by Hollywood and they trained actors to speak that way as an elevated style of speech that uh, American public could um, emulate and, and, um, want to want to be you know this this ultimate like of beauty and glamour and sophistication but it was just a made-up accent they just made it up for hollywood movies but i think some people probably started emulating it a little bit in day-to-day life because they wanted to be like the movie stars which is crazy yeah and and i think they used it for like media figures and stuff like uh, walter cronkite i think it was, mm-hmm. or, yeah 
yeah, Absolutely. a lot of the broadcasts of those. That, yeah, breaking news. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to always wonder why they sounded like that in the movies. Like, I thought maybe that's like over time, people used to just sound kind of more like this. Like, well, hello, honey. And then, but uh, then I, I didn't realize until I looked into it that it was like, that was something they were deliberately doing or they mm-hmm. were taught to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, too, like, well, even these days, we still have slight of that with newscasters. So you know how newscasters have a certain yeah. cadence that they go to broadcast school to get trained to do. I am actually quite terrible. I'm good with transatlantic is like in my mm. wheelhouse. I do a lot of uh, musicals from the 1940s. The, the 20s through the 50s is like my era. I get hired to do them all the time. So I'm pretty good with that. But like modern day broadcasting, but uh, two of my friends, uh, Mike Warner and Patrick Williams, who are on a house team at the pit, they do the best broadcasting voices I've ever heard like I just die laughing every time they do it they'll just start talking like normal conversation but with the broadcasting voice like and down by the station there was a little girl like I can't do it like they can but it's they're both hilarious they do it so well like how do you do that yeah but it's but it's interesting with a voiceover now they say the opposite they don't like for commercials and stuff they don't do the announcer voice as much now it's more like I'm talking to you so we have the best burgers. You should eat it too, kind of like. Right. Yeah. They want you to feel like you're their friend as opposed to like this thing you need to emulate or, or yeah. be. it's more like, hey, it's your best friend telling you to do something. That's interesting. Yeah. Very well, I guess because people listen to more stuff on their own now rather than people used to gather to listen to like the radio or watch the TV and it was like a family oh, yeah. thing. And now it's like more like, oh, you're just listening. It's one, you're talking to one person at a time. Kinda. Right. Yeah, it is really interesting to me that we have so much choice, which is like good and bad for artists, I think, because there is so much opportunity for someone to hear you, but it's hard to get the masses to hear you because now everybody has their own, you have a million choices of things you can listen to or watch. Whereas back in the, you know, when TVs first came out, there was what, three stations so if you wanted to watch TV, you got with your whole family at eight o'clock. There was no reruns. There was no subscription. It was you sat there and you were there at 7.59 to watch that show. And you never saw that show again. It was, that was it. One time deal. Yeah. Unless it was like the Wizard of Oz, which they played like once a year. Um, and you had three choices and that was it. So everybody in America saw you if you were on one of those stations. But now we just have unlimited, which is cool because yeah. now there's more voices being heard um yeah but there's not like one thing everybody watches like Uh usually it's like oh did you see this like people watch different things kind of well because there's so many different options yeah even netflix remember like when netflix came out people were like uh you know did you see the new netflix show everybody'd be like yes of course because there was not that much there was a couple like old movies and then just like their new shows when they first started producing i think orange is the new black was like one of the first uh... you're right yes uh but now I know so many people are like, oh my God, like, have you seen like, this, like they'll rattle off like 10 shows on Netflix. I'm like, I don't even think they popped up on my queue. I don't even know what you're talking about. They're like, really? So I just think there's so many options now, which is great because we get a lot of points of view. Um, yeah. Well, and then also it's like more work, like more, like there's more things you can get into. There's more roles and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's harder to uh, springboard off that because before it was like, if you got like one big, you know, if you were on one then, big show. Then you're not, yeah right to like springboard that into like oh everybody knows that but so many people I know like we're like you know I did one <laughs> pilot for one season that only made half a season on on Amazon Prime <laughs> like and you know you get paid and you do those things yeah. but it's funny because everybody's like what show they're like oh whatever <laughs> no yeah. one saw it but I got paid yeah. but that's another thing you can you can let if you land in like a show or movie that everybody ends up like hating then that can kind of have a negative like everybody saw it, but then the negative like i don't know going back to i know i mentioned the star wars prequels yeah. earlier but i was thinking like that kid jake lloyd he got that played the young anakin kid skywalker he got like bullied and stuff oh. everything because he was in that everybody hated that movie so all right ladies gentlemen and gentle people and animals and whoever you are out there listening to this podcast let me let me just say something though pause before you judge so hard because as an actor so much is not necessarily, I don't want to say your fault. It's not that your fault. It's a collaboration is what I'm saying when you do a piece of art. So sometimes the script is just 
maybe not as polished, polished as it should be. Sometimes it's post. Sometimes you do a million great takes, but they don't really edit it well. And so sometimes it can feel really like jarring or cheesy. And you're like, oh, but that's because they took like the first take and they did like a kind of a weird job editing in with the other. So sometimes a bad movie, it, it just, it, there are many hands in, in the pot is what I'm saying. And so just always pause before you hate on an, one actor or one specific thing. But just remember, there's a lot that goes into these things. So, um, but I get it. It's it's tough. But to yeah, me, I'd and especially be- a ki- especially a kid that's just like reading off the like. Yeah, right. I, th- I thought he did okay given what he was given at that time. But yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they're kids. I mean, I get a little concerned when I see a child actor that's too good. I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry. You, what kind of trauma have you had that you yeah. really? <laughs> I'm yeah. a little concerned for their life like I want the kid that's just like fake crying like ah, because then I'm like oh you, you have a happy life like you're a happy yeah. kid you don't know what trauma is yeah but I, I noticed there's also like the creepy kid the creepy kid uh trope in like horror movie <laughs> that gets kind of old like kind of like is she she's trying to tell us something I think it was like in the ring there was like what what kind of kid talks like that did you talk to the ghost oh my and God. I like yeah that that get, that trope gets kind of old sometimes but i noticed they use them a lot in horror movies for that like or the creepy little girl and stuff like that i don't know that's become kind of like an old trope with it oh no i I, full disclosure that was for a while like my scary thing like creepy little kids were the thing that i was like nope nope no thanks like which is funny (laughs) because i teach children uh a lot uh right now and i love teaching children it's like one of my favorite things to do is passing on the arts um to the younger generation but for a while, man, ooh, some kid like gave me the death stare too long in the classroom. And I was like, all right, um, may quit tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you thought he turned into like the, the ring kid or something with that. <laughs> yeah, there are like the omen. Oh my God. The original omen, Damien, was not too bad, but there was like a second or third movie where there was a little girl. It was like the Omen three or the Omen four. Oh my God, that little girl, that movie scared the bejesus out of me. I was not into that movie at all, but I watched it a lot. Of, a lot. What is what is that when we're kids that we like we we want to be scared? Like we hate it, but we also love it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Adrenaline. I, yeah. Hey, that's why I do the arts, right? Because it's scary as. <laughs> because it's terrifying and i hate it and i also love it and couldn't live without it or maybe it's like preparing for like the real world like as a kid like trying to prepare yourself like when things are going to be like scary and oh my gosh so true sean this isn't scary though i i actually this is have i done any other podcasts i feel like i did one other one this is really i i kind of like this art form now i was a little hesitant to it at first i was like people just sit around and talk like who wants to hear that but now i've listened to some really great podcasts and i'm totally into it yeah well i like how podcasts like how it did in this thing like it can start on one topic and then go into a totally different thing but Oh yeah, sorry. I forgot to tell you before we started. You got to put a leash on me because I'll just keep going down the. Oh, that's why. Hole. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of people I try. I try to have like people that talk a lot, and then it can kind of go into different things rather than just the the the, the episodes I don't like is is where it's just like I ask a question, then it's just like yeah, so I did that, and that's it, and then then there's nowhere oh, yeah. to go off that. No. It's it just like a bad. short. The short answers are worse because mm-hmm. like then there's nowhere you can go with it. You're like. Uh. So that's what i uh that's when i got into comedy that was my only saving grace uh because like i said i'm like i'm not funny at all everything is you are like no when i get on stage i get like paranoid in my head about like some i mean you've seen at the pit and even you just the one-liners the quips like the very fast not my thing but if i can just pretend i'm at a dinner party like i'll hold court like at the bar i can always like hold court like nobody's business and laugh and joke and it's like because I'm just a very social person that way. And I'm so interested in humans. Like I'm interested, like, what do you think? Like, where do you come from? What are your thoughts? How are they different than mine? How can I use that in my art? So I love that. And then I get on stage and I'm like, I want to be funny like these people. And then that's always death. So yeah, that, that, that's something that's uh, easy. It, like uh, I'm trying not to fall. It's like trying to be funny in the scene rather than just like kind of immersing yourself in the scene. Kind just of, yeah. Be just yeah. Be proud. Just be you. You are enough. Oh my God. Isn't that like the most wise and yet the most scary and most 
poignant thing that improv tells us you are enough it's like as long as you're just being you and you're being an open conduit to the other person you will be successful and funny and people will like you you're like wow oh my god all those years of paying for therapy (laughs) i'm kidding i don't pay i don't pay for therapy i'm just an artist (laughs) <laughs> that's where i go to let all my crazy yeah out. but uh when i took a i took a voice acting uh class recently and that's what he said too is like is like um you are enough always re- like kind of just be yourself with it yeah. and then if you add on a voice to it that, that like that comes second but first it's like it's you in the scene rather than just like oh like trying hard to be the character like right because yeah. blow blow your mind people here we go no one no one has seen the world the way you have because nobody has had the same met the same people had the same jobs lived in the same place just day to day like you woke up where you woke up in your sheets you know in your room with the light you have and then said hi to whatever you know cough person made your coffee and ate something different so your life experience is never going to be the same as somebody else's and how interesting is that, that like yeah. you literally are the only one. I think we take it as like, oh, you're like, you're unique because of, you know, your talent or you're unique because, you know, you're a blonde 36 year old who lives in New York. I'm like, there's 80,000 of those. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's not about that. It's about the tiny minutia of like your existence from when you were born to now, you are the only person that's seen that. So what you have to say is interesting and important because it's different than other people's. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you, um, your life, like in your perspective, you, you have something new to bring to the totally. table. Like, even if you have a twin that grew up in the same household I, as you, I was going to actually say that same thing. Like, it, it, even if you have a twin, like this is this is a little bit different. They were born a few seconds before you, a few seconds after. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's going to be slightly different. Mind meld. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Sean, Sean are mind melding everyone. If you don't know what that is, that's a fun improv game where you try to think of the same word at the same time. Oh, yeah. A, that, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> to get yourself on the same brain wavelength. Yeah, it's, it's weird how that works sometimes. I, I don't know, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's there's finding- like a spiritual explanation for it. Like, we're all one, that kind of. Okay, I believe in this. I totally, because I was trying to do, there's another game, the counting game. Have you ever done that one? So basically, oh, yeah, what the where we go one and then the next person you have to count before they stop. Two, yeah, three, you have to everybody in a group has to just count to 10 one at a time. You don't know the order. And if anybody says, like, tries to talk at the same time, you have to start from the beginning. So it's this focus exercise, but we tried to do it on Zoom over quarantine and it was immensely more difficult. And everybody was kind of confused because they're like, why is this so hard on Zoom? They're like, it's the delay. I think personally, it's because you can't feel the energy of the people in the room the same way as being physically in the space with somebody. You almost feel their energy before they're going to talk. And that's the thing I think that you're trying to key into. So it's not just about like, oh, just guess. Like, when is somebody going to talk? It's very much an energy thing which is why i think live theater is super important no you know i think record there's time and place and and that's something i want to explore more because like i've done more film and it's like through doing the improv shows it's like i kind of want to do more theater and explore more theater because that would just be neat to like do a show with like a group of people and yeah great you have great though stage presence i think sean oh thank you Yeah, you do. Because I think not everybody can translate from TV to film. I've seen some people on stage where I'm like bored out of my mind. And then I see them in their element on TV. I'm like, oh, they're just very small when they do things. Or they're very, uh, something they get lost on stage. But you have a nice stage presence. I always watch you when you're on stage. So Okay, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think think it'd be, uh, it adds something to have like the audience too. So I kind of want to do, and I want to do more like a, like a play or like uh-huh. uh even just a, just like for the experience like another oh yeah like well the yeah. audience is the third if you're in a scene with two people there's always a third person in the scene and it's always the audience um i think that's true also of things that are pre-recorded we just don't get to feel it in real time i mean obviously yeah. uh, a show is ex- accepted by 
the masses or somebody that watches it. And that's the completion of the cycle. You create art, the audience sees the art, the audience absorbs the art, the audience starts to think about the art and maybe makes choices in their life to, based on that. So that's like the end of the circle. But in a theater production, you're feeling it in real time. You're feeling them, the, the audience laughing or gasping or crying. You can feel them get silent. You can feel them get excited. And that's like a drug. Being able to feel your impact on people right away, immediately, as opposed to like later on when you get the reviews or people tell you, wow, I really loved that movie you did, or, you know, it's, it's a drug to feel that right in real time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say something to that, but I forget what it was now. I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll just say, assume it was, a, it, I had a brilliant thing I said, and now we'll just, just act as if I said it. No. You should just tell everyone that you edited it out in post because it was too much of a knowledge bomb to drop during a yeah. podcast. Yeah, I, I didn't think the world was ready for it. <laughs> the world was not ready. The yeah. world was not ready. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, so what uh, projects? Like, what what are you working on now? You did the you did this show that was like a it was like a sketch show, right? It was in. Oh yeah, that yeah. was before. So I'm I'm freelancing right now. I don't have any like set long-term gigs with uh, musicals. Usually you'll be out at least for a few months doing one show. Right now I've been doing a lot of short ones. So I just did old school sketch show at the pit. It was the first time I ever had to write sketches. Terrifying, amazing. One of the best things I've ever done, but was really, really hard and very scary. Um, so they ran that like SNL. So that was a couple of weeks ago. Then I was doing a improv performance in Dallas. Um, and then my newest thing is I'm working on a play called Al Fresco. Um, it's a new play. Uh, we have a reading on tomorrow for a bunch of industry and producers. Um, so I've been collaborating on that. So that's super exciting. Uh, what else do I have coming up? Just auditions. I have a big, I have an audition tomorrow for White Christmas, which if you don't know, it's an old like 1950s musical. Um, are you so going to put on that? Are you, are you going to put on that accent you did earlier? The transatlantic? Oh, my or? transatlantic. Maybe a tad. She's, Betty yeah. might have a tad of a tra of transatlantic. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not full. We're not going to go full transatlantic. That may be a little much, but maybe yeah. a bit. Um, so auditions are coming back. I teach dance a lot. I do a lot of coachings for people. So that's, you know, um, my constant job. Uh, but you know, auditions are coming back. So I got to get my feet wet and just keep picking up projects. And then like with the play and stuff, so often I say I'm queen of reading. So a lot of times I'll go in for the beginning and it kind of won't go anywhere or to stall. It'll have like a year off. So, but to me, it's all awesome because it's part of the creative process. So, and then I'll be at the pit. I'll keep doing shows there as soon as we get space, fingers crossed, um, to do some more shows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just did a audition to be an android recently in a film here in New Jersey. It'd be for pay, so I hope I get that. It was a video audition, and I I did a, I did a Mark Zuckerberg is my reference. So. Ooh, I, kinda, I would like like you know how he kind of talks like this. Oh, hey, well, this is Facebook. We run ads, sir. That's how we get our money. It's perfect because he, <laughs> in my mind he really gets powered down every day and unplugged and he's creepy yeah i think, oh, I think that's why they were asking him all those questions in the judicial hearing to, it was to test if he was a human or not <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny i love that yeah yeah just auditions are good 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 practice yeah. you know and I now i remember what i was going to say earlier too it was that it was that uh what an improv three patrick was saying uh don't pay attention like act like the audience he was like uh, don't focus on the audience when you're in the scene focus on just the other person in the scene yeah like uh, yeah because sometimes i did like doing an improv scene i think about oh what am i going to say that's funny like but if you just focus on being in the scene with the oh, other yeah. character and just immerse yourself in that and forget about the audience then it kind of it, it works better that well because that speaks to being real and really connecting with the other person people want to see connections on stage people want to see relationships on stage they don't want to feel like you're performing for them they want to feel like they're voyeurs looking in on a real situation that makes them feel something um so i think that that's where that comes from because as comedians we want to be like here i'll dance for you like da, 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 like kind of you know laugh at me like me 
but it's far more interesting for you to look at your scene partner and want your scene partner to like you because then people are looking on the outside and they can root for you you know yeah so i think that that's i mean pat mccartney he's oh god she's he patrick mccartney is the reason i got into improv and he's the reason why i still stay in improv he is um him and chris griggs are my two favorite teachers but, but patrick was my is my guiding light i i, I yeah and, I, and patrick was on the show a while ago while, while things were still oh, more locked down yeah okay i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that because i everybody who knows knows he's oh, he's my guru i love him so much he's such a good human and such a brilliant improviser and actor straight actor so hey patrick mccartney take a class with patrick mccartney everybody yeah, yeah i took a improv two just before everything locked just before the pandemic with him uh-huh. Yeah. And I took now I'm taking improv three with him. I took improv one with uh, Jared, the oh, guy. Okay. Who's, uh, he, yeah. He's a firefighter, I think, and he also teaches improv. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, love McCartney. Yeah. So, so how did have you found uh, like applying that kind of spontaneous, like the improv, like being in the scene and the spontaneous mm. uh, um, approach to have you have you found a way to apply that to written material? Like oh feeling like gosh. the written material is natural and just like you're saying it off the cuff, even though it's written and you had to remember it. Oh my gosh. It's been unbelievably valuable. Um, I will say I've gotten a lot of feedback from casting directors and even teachers. I know that were like, what happened to you? Like you just like, it's like something woke up. And I think it comes circling back to the thing I was saying at the beginning, um, being so worried about doing things right or fitting in a box or, or, you know, the girl before you, you know, did it this way. So you only have this much room to be yourself. That will only get you so far as an artist, because like we said, you're your only, you're the only person that's experienced life the way you have. So improv gave me permission to be myself with another human on stage, to use my own life experience and my own voice to connect with another human on stage in a scene. And so when I look at material, the first thing I will do, even if it's scripted, before I memorize it, I will just do the scene. I will read the scene as is, and then I will do it in my own voice. If I was just take the gist of what I'm saying to that person and just say it in my own voice and feel what that feels like and feel what that makes me feel. And then I'll go back and memorize it and try to take that feeling and put it into the dialogue that the, the uh, that's written. Instead of reading it and saying, how did the author want me to say this? I say, how would Desiree feel and say this? And then I'll put the words on top of it, like icing on a cake. And I think that that was the biggest thing improv taught me. It, it also, it, it was like a way for me to flip from being like a chorus girl or somebody in the background to getting a lot of auditions for leads or a lot of auditions where people start seeing you as your own artist. You know, what do you want to say as an artist? Not just like, do you just want to copy what other artists have already said? Yeah. Being yourself goes a long way and just being authentic with it. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes you could play like a really crazy character that's different from you, but even that has you in it too. As a little, yeah, it's like, what's your crazy? What's your brand? I mean, yes, if you're going to play a character that's like physically done something really insane, like I've never burned down a building, but yeah. I mean, I've uh, almost burned down my kitchen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a good cook, everyone. I'm a good cook. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've all got our little, our little things that make us sad or happy or whatever that is. And how do we connect with other humans that way? We all want to be seen, want to be wanted, want to be loved. That's really yeah. at the basis of everything that people do. And it's interesting with iconic characters, like when different people play them, they, they each have their own like touch. I was just thinking like different people played the Joker, like it's a different oh, character God. each time. <laughs> and it's crazy because it wasn't just that some people were good and some people were like, there were so many great actors that played different versions of the Joker that were brilliant. Yeah brilliant i mean you can have your favorite of one or another but how brilliant are they all i think in their own way and they will each one of them will reach somebody differently so like whoever your favorite joker is and you don't have to say out loud but you can if you want but um (laughs) whoever your favorite joker is that affected you in some way as a human 
but it might not have affected somebody else, but somebody else's interpretation of the Joker might have affected that person. So how cool is that? Yeah. And only that person could have brought that unique touch to mm-hmm. the Joker. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally yeah. love it. <laughs> so any, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts or maybe anything we didn't cover yet? I mean, I know Ooh. we went into a bit like how you got into it all right with the Boston. Yeah. Boston, Boston Ballet, yeah, dance to Boston Ballet, to dancing, to musical theater, to uh, straight theater, to improv, to comedy, to podcasts, to teaching, to back to start all over again. Um, no, I don't know. It's all one thing. It's all, I think what, I think what artists do, I guess my final thought is what artists do is just hold a mirror up to humanity and make people think. Think about themselves our existence other humans how we can be kind how we can be growing all the time and i think that's like a, that's a noble cause and i'm i'm so grateful that you had me on here and that we could share this experience together i could learn a little bit more about you you could learn a little bit more about me and that's my goal is just to keep doing that so and those of you who are listening you're the third person in this podcast audience members so thank you for yeah. being here and yeah thank you for being here yeah third person <laughs> yeah. third persons persons people's yeah. places yeah. things that are listening um yeah. so yeah and i hope we continue once again like we keep crossing paths and keep making art together and that'd make me really happy so thank you yeah definitely sounds good yeah good to yeah. chat and all that and the bs yeah. Yeah. It was, and i guess it was some good bs it was sean between me and you it was some good bs we had some good bs oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. and uh where should people keep updated with like yeah sure um so right now instagram you can follow me mama des one um m-a-m-a-d-e-s one that's my main page and mostly if i do that i'll post you know where links to if i'm doing shows or links to other things that's just probably the easiest place where i put all of my stuff since i do so many multi um things i do so many different things so yeah you can check me out there awesome sounds good Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for listening to BSing with Sean K. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Desiree Justin. And if you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, videos of BSing are on the BSing YouTube channel. And that's about it for this episode. I'll catch you on the next. BSing with BSing with what? BSing with Sean K. BSing.